Ivy Multimedia presents From DMs to Dating, the second installment of the Verbally Effective Podcast with Ina Esco live show. Join us Friday, April 19th, 7 p.m. at the Hadaloo Theater. Come on out to see Memphis' most eligible bachelors and bachelorettes as they discuss how they navigate through dating life in a digital world. Kendra Key will be performing live dating advice from Mr. Dale, sounds by DJ Superman, and special guest host, Blameaholics. Oprah Winfrey meets Nick Cannon's Wild and Out meets The Dating Game. From DMs to dating, get your tickets today on eventbrite.com. What's good? It's Big Sue, and I'm hanging out with my girl, Ina Esco. We're going to chop it up about everything. You hear me? Everything on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Yo, Ali, you see me work with Black Boy JB Drake, Offset 21 Savage. Right now, I'm rocking with Ina Esco, a verbally effective podcast. You dig? Verbally effective, your double E, Ina Esco here. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Verbally Effective Podcast. Today, I have one of my iHeartMedia K97 co-workers in the building with me today, a true visionary. And when I say that, I'm saying that because he's brought so much to the music culture here in Memphis 10. I'm talking about DJ D-Nice. What's up, D-Nice? How you doing, Mr. Life is Dope? I'm doing good. Finally get up to this podcast. I've been waiting on you, Ina. Finally. Yeah. You here, though. Yeah. What are we talking about today, man? We're talking about a lot, like with most of my guests, though. You know, I'm going to start at the beginning. Like, are you originally from Memphis? Yeah, I am. I'm from here. What part? I was born, you want to go all the way to the I beginning? Did. I was born at Methodist Hospital in Whitehaven. Okay, you know Whitehaven. I mean? Yeah, yeah, so I was in Whitehaven at the time. Um, uh, after that, we lived in Brookwood back in the day. If you in Whitehaven, you know what that is. We was in Brookwood, and then my uh, parents moved to Olive Branch okay. in like a little trailer situation. We was in a trailer home. Okay. Until I was... I don't know, maybe five, six. Then my mom and dad got divorced, and then we moved back to Whitehaven. Okay. So you claim the Haven. Well, see, <clears throat> I was in the Haven, but then I went to school in Olive Branch. Oh. So so I guess it's like I'm a Tennessean, you know what I mean? Yeah. I guess yeah, we, you, you know, would say that. Yeah, state line. Yeah, yeah, but I wanted to go to Whitehaven so bad. Like, my cousin went to mm-hmm. uh, Hillcrest. <laughs> All my friends went to Whitehaven. I lived in Mill Branch. The summertime, I was living in Pepper Tree. 4279, apartment five. Y'all already know what it is. <laughs> in the fire lane, we were playing. Like, you know, it's crazy over there now, but it was crazy then. But, you know, when you're yeah, young, uh, you just don't know, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, so I was kind of back and forth. I taught people in Memphis about Olive Branch, and then Olive Branch, I'd be like, yo, let's go to my house in mm-hmm. Memphis. And they didn't, you know, they didn't never. Yeah, you know how they cross. say a lot of people in Memphis, like, never want to go to Mississippi. Oh, yeah. Like, See, that's yeah. for real, huh? No, nah, for sure. Like, you, <laughs> you're doing at least a year for. A seatbelt violation. Right. <laughs> right. That's the big thing because the Mississippi police don't play, right? Yeah, they don't play. But the Hats Cross police don't play either. You no. know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like that's the last surviving thing mm-hmm. in Memphis. Like on the east side of Hats Cross, so they protect it. You know? So okay. Mississippi, you got to understand, like right above you is like one of the worst, the most violent cities in America. So it's kind of like they don't, they want to reprimand you. Soon you come down there, it's mm, like, oh, yeah, sure. we, gonna, we ain't going to spank you in your hand. We're going to go on to cut it off. You know what waiting on you. Now, let me ask you this. Since you mentioned that you were like between Whitehaven and Olive Branch, what type of activities were you involved in in school? In school, man, um, I was heavy in the sports for sure. What for kind sure of sports? sports? I was uh, playing. I played football. I played basketball. Okay. I played um, 
I was in uh, powerlifting. I went to state. Power I went to lifting. state twice, Ashland powerlifting. Really? Broke a couple records. How you know much can you lift? Then, then, you know what I'm saying? I was I was young. <laughs> I was doing like uh, I was benching like 315. Wow. Squatting like 420 something. Mm-hmm. So I was like, cause all my cousins like big, and you know me, I'm short. So all my cousins like just strong. So my dad used to let them beat me up. Like, hey man, you better, <laughs> better you better in. figure it out. I see you figured it out. Yeah, I figured it out. You know what I'm saying? So, so but were you involved in music at all? No, I wasn't in, at all. But, you know, I, I always look back and and try to figure out where did, like, this DJ, this mm-hmm. DJ, uh, you know, inspiration come from. Start? I didn't know. I didn't really. I Then I tap back into my past, and I, I was also on this thing called Keisha Voices where you, um, it was a school news, basically. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So. So they had me bringing in all the music. I had to bring in like 30 seconds of music that wasn't cussing. Like they didn't have any cuss words. So I would go find the, the first 30 seconds. I'm like, no, okay. <laughs> uh, a minute a minute through, a minute 30, they ain't saying no cuss words. Mm-hmm. So like my, I think my junior, my senior year, I took over and I started turning the school up. They were like, yo, he dropped that Pastor Troy. <laughs> he dropped the No Limit. Oh, and wow. I was like, damn, I was DJing then. You were DJing and yeah. producing. Yeah, and all my all my friends was like in the like Playboys and Mama dancers, mm-hmm. Mama Boys, my bad, Tommy Hilfiger dancers, you know. Oh yeah, all them. So they was like, yeah, I, I was one. Of, yeah, see, <laughs> you telling off on yourself. You was one of the girls in the front. Yeah, we was cheering them on, baby. Don't play them guys. Yeah, so uh, I was front row, like yo, y'all, y'all got it. That was like, man, we gotta, we gotta get some songs, and nobody knew how to burn music, and my. My partner was like a little thief, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. he went to Best Buy, and I was like, bro, I need me a CD burner. You know, I can start selling these CDs. And he he stole the CD burner, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I started making the CDs. I, I downloaded Napster at the time, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I started, Back in the day. Yeah, so I started downloading all these these uh, tracks, and I gave it to him. like, yo, here, here go some songs. And it was all like all the freaky, the freaky R&B songs back mm-hmm. in the day at that time, so... So I was like, dang, I forgot I did that too. So I was like, okay, that's where my, I guess my passion started. That's where it started. Now, once you graduated high school, what did you do? Man, I got a factory job, actually. Okay. It was a temp service job. I was, it was like Dollar, Dollar Tree off of Hacks Cross. I know what that's said. Yeah, okay. I went to Dollar Tree and then I um, went to a place called Duff and Dollar. Mm-hmm. No, that was high school, my bad. Then I went to... Landau, that's what it was called. It was Landau. Like, you know, the, the scrubs at the the mm-hmm. um, nurse wear? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was the person counting the buttons. <laughs> I had the buttons. <laughs> I had the claw. Like, yo, bring me this. Yeah. I was like, Shh. but what made me quit was. What made you, how long did you do it? Man, a year. I did it a year. You I stayed. Enough. Yeah, I was, it was a wrap for me. I was, I woke up, it was cold. It was like six o'clock in the morning. And I was like, man. I gotta wake up every morning at six o'clock or five o'clock and I gotta go clock in at this this workhouse and then my lunch is like thirty minutes, but it takes fifteen minutes to get to where mm-hmm. you going. It was just like and I saw this woman, I was like, Yo, how much you get paid? I wanna know, you know, you've been here five years more than me. I wanna know, you know, what's my potential at this job? And it was like two dollars more than me. Mm. I you said, said nah, for me. Oh yeah, it's over with. <laughs> so I joined the military. You joined the military. <laughs> yeah, I left. Which branch? I went to the Air Force. Oh, that's yeah. a good branch. Yeah. So how was that? Man, actually, uh, that was like the best decision that I ever made, for sure, for mm-hmm. sure, for sure. Because I was sitting here and I was like, okay, I'm 18. 
You can't. That's like the worst age. You you can buy cigarettes, uh, some tobacco products, but you can't get in the club. You can't buy liquor. Yeah. So it's like, man, what am I? What am I gonna do here? Go to level two? Uh, go t- to these clubs for like till I'm 21? I was like, let me go figure it out. So I went to the military and figured it out, and it uh really helped me push start. You know what I'm saying? Myself in life, okay. for sure. So where all have you been in the Air Force? Uh, I was stationed initially boot camp in San Antonio. Then I went to San Angelo, Texas. Then went to Georgia, Warner Robins, Georgia, like right by Macon, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Went uh, to Russia, Kyrgyzstan, no, Kazakhstan, mm-hmm. and uh, Kuwait, Afghanistan. Wow. Like, what was your specialty? Germany, too. Hmm? What was your specialty? What I was a firefighter. Say? Okay. Yeah. Putting them fires out. Yeah, finding them hot, leaving them wet. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, no, yeah. that was a little firefighter joke, you know. Oh, that was the, oh, that's a firefighter joke. Yeah, that's a little firefighter humor. Okay, so how long were you in the Air Force? Four years. Yeah, four years. Why and just four years? I couldn't. I have a problem problem with like, not authority, but like, you know, with authority, kind of. You know, with people telling me what to do and what I can't do, how to move, when not to move, mm-hmm. and then people come in with like a certain ego in the military, where it's like, if you have, if I have more stripes than you, you got to do what I say. Oh, definitely. You know military. what I'm saying? So when people, you get people who've been beat up their whole life, ready to just command some people and tell them what to do, and then I was, I was overseas and I like getting bombed at and all of just all kind of crazy stuff, and it's like it was during the holidays too. I'm like, man, it's Thanksgiving. And I'm over here, my mom and them probably eating good. Now it's Christmas, it's like, damn, I'm over here in Russia and in a negative 40 <laughs> degrees, unloading, unloading a C-130 plane with hundreds of people on here, like all this heavy equipment. It's like, yo, this this can't be life, you know what I'm saying? But So you threw the Air Force the deuces? Yeah, fast. How did you do that? Because usually, like, I thought to depart from the military, like, you go, you go, you actually went AWOL? No, no, no. You get a contract, so you can do four years and you can do six mm-hmm. years. So, okay. so you did go throughout your contract. Yeah, I did. I did. I did my whole four year contract. You know, but I knew that I wasn't gonna stay. So mm-hmm. each month, I paid myself monthly. You know, what I'm saying mm-hmm. a certain amount of money okay. for four years. You were stacking that cheap. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I didn't buy no cars. I I kept my car. Like I kept my car old. So all my homies, mm-hmm. you know, you go overseas, you gonna bank up because you there for mm-hmm. four. Four to six months, mm-hmm. getting the hazard, hazardous pay, your regular pay, mm-hmm. you're getting your, your BAH, that's your housing, your BAS is your food. Mm-hmm. So you're really stacking a lot of money, and they supplying you with everything over there so you don't have to spend money. Mm-hmm. So when when the, uh, when everybody got back, people getting new cars, rims, mm-hmm. skipping the line. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody would skip the line <laughs> in the club, and I'd be like, yo, nah, I'm, I'm just standing. And like, How much is it, $20? Oh no, I'm cool. I'm cool, bro. I just <laughs> I'm just stay on the phone. Come on, bro. Forget it. We'll pay your way, and they'll pay the twenty. Well, I keep my old car. I'm like, yo, y'all want to roll up on the grand with the grand dam, bro? Mm-hmm. Bro, you six four. You know you can't fit in the grand dam. We might as well just take your car. I put five <laughs> on the gas, six, and you know I just save my money like that. So, what do you think was like uh, a valuable lesson that you learned while being in the Air Force? Man, um, a lot of lessons. A lot of lessons. Um, one main one is just in, in life, not just Air Force. It's like getting out because in the military you got so much stability. You know what I mean? Like that's a scary situation to get out to. Like you don't have health insurance no more. You don't have you. Get, they're not paying you for food and everything. So it really 
it really it taught first first it taught me to like it's not how much money you can make it's how much money you can save you know what i'm saying so that's the most valuable lesson i done learned out of like this whole career you know what i mean but the military just got me tight made me responsible you know what i'm saying like we just get up at four o'clock in the morning and it'll be 10 o'clock i'm like dang i just did a whole i feel like it's eight o'clock so it taught me to get up early handle your business you know, it, it seemed cool to stay up all night, but it's like you get way more done if you get up early. Yes. You know what I mean? So it really just taught me discipline. to. Yeah, just to attack the day, really. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's something that you still do to this day? Yeah, like now I do. Now. <laughs> younger nights was no good. I was waking up four <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. So, okay. Once you got back from the Air Force, you're no longer under contract. What was the nice doing? Man, I sent all my equipment to my mama house, and I went back because I ain't seen my mom like that. I've been gone for four years, and you know nobody in my family go to the military like that. So they was like, "Bro, what are you doing?" Like, mm-hmm. so it was just I make rash decisions like that, you know. So I came back first thing I wanted to do just get some home cooked. I wanted to stay with my mama for a while, mm-hmm. see my little brother grow up. He was getting into like middle school, going into high school. So mm-hmm. I came back. I I got a lot of equipment. I just started practicing. You know, I got in my room and I got like in a real zone because I knew I didn't know nobody here. I didn't know a DJ. I didn't know a promoter. So you already had the equipment. Yeah. See, I was overseas. I was stacking, so I didn't know mm-hmm. what to buy. I just looked up on stuff. I was buying all the wrong equipment, the right turntable with mm-hmm. the wrong cases. You know what I'm saying? So your plan while you were in the Air Force was to come back and take over the DJ world. Oh was yeah, no. Uh, yeah, it was. At first, it was to like to be a club owner, you know what I'm saying? Okay. I always wanted to have my own club. And okay. everybody in the my firefighter, they were like, oh, yeah, you're going to be like Diddy, man. you going to. Because I always mm-hmm. had all these ideas of how I was going to have it shaped out. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, well, let me. I, I went to Atlanta because I was stationed like making Georgia like an hour south of Atlanta. And that's what got me really want to DJ because it was a totally different vibe. You know, I came from Memphis where it was like. Yo, put the crunks on on, and then get in the middle of the floor, start pushing everybody. Then the freaky son come on, you jump yeah. behind the girl. The twerk son, you jump behind the girl. Right. But Atlanta was like way different. The songs came on, so I'm jumping in the middle of the crowd, and everybody like, yo, 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 you can have it, bro. I'm like, mm-hmm. dang, I'm in the parking lot, like flinging, like skirt, skirt. They're like, yo, I got a Mercedes, bro. Like, don't hit me. Chill out. <laughs> You brought the M to yeah. ATL. They like slow down, bro. Yeah, that was like slow down, bro. And then the um. The club vibe though, that's where I got my style from, really, because okay. I listened to them. They had a they had a DJ crew. It was like five different DJs, and I wish it I wish it was something like that here. But um, these five different DJs, they came from different places, like from New York, a down south, uh, a reggae artist. You know, what I'm saying Jamaican. Uh, just you know, it just got every culture. So people were like, yo, yo, son, we about to go take it to the BK, blah blah. blah. And they'll drop some Jay Z, some Jewel, some Dipset, you know, and we heavy then. And uh, they were dropping like the old and nineties and the Bobby Browns and the Poisons and and like I'm I'm young, like I'm nineteen. I'm supposed to be in the club mm-hmm. like that. So I'm in this club, like yo, this is they taking me on a journey. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's what I was like. They, it felt like it was telling a story, and that's like I how I like the DJ. It was like. Okay, okay. This this is the formula, you know what I'm saying. And when I go back to Macon, which is similar to Memphis, it it was like, okay, this is this is like Memphis. Hey, bro, play that. And they were like, no, bro, we don't. <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm finna get my own equipment, and mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm gonna do this myself. You know? okay. So I bought all my equipment. And, okay. And you taught yourself how to DJ? Yeah, I taught myself how to DJ. What was YouTube around when you was trying to teach yourself, or how mm, were you learning? Man, like listening. 
Like I know you got to have a good ear. I know that. Right. So um, it wasn't YouTube clips like that. Not back then. No, no not like that. So I just got the equipment and I just started playing with it. You know, so what, what was saying? your first piece of equipment that you practice on? CDJs, CDJ A hundreds, but that was the that was the top of the line at the time. I'm mm-hmm. like, I got all the top of the line equipment because I had the bread for it. You know what I'm saying? I came out, I've been saving my money for this. I know I'm about to do something, mm-hmm. so I had the top of the line equipment and um, yeah, CDJ A hundreds. And my my producer homie that was in Georgia, he showed me how to hook it up. Mm-hmm. And I remember playing with it, and I got, like, so mad. I was like, what did I buy, man? This is, like, this is hard. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't, <laughs> I don't understand. How they make the, then I accidentally hit it, like, Brr. I'm like, oh, that's how you make the, you figured the it out. Button. I'm like, <laughs> okay. And then I saw these numbers, like, which was the BPM. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, these got to match to make it blend. And it started making sense to me. And I started just listening to radio. When I came back to Memphis, I started listening to the radio, like, okay, let me hear, like, what they're doing, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I would take some of the songs, I'm like, oh, okay, these things is, like, in the same, you got to keep these BPM mm-hmm. at the same pace. Right. So that's how, that's how I just kept practicing, and then I, I just learned it. Mm-hmm. So at what point did you decide, after you taught yourself how to DJ, I mean, was there uh, someone that gave you an opportunity to actually start DJing somewhere? What was, like, you know, your first gig and all of that good stuff? Oh, man, this dude, man, my boy DJ One Two. Do you know One Two? One Two. No. You remember Sneaky Peaks? Yes. Psh, he was the DJ at Sneaky Peaks. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, okay, so okay. Sneaky Peaks was like a like a little small, like, hood club kind of. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I came back, and my cousin, which he was like a— you know, he was into other things. He was a, you know, a big dope boy. I was, mm-hmm. This is a podcast, right? Yeah, this, he, he was a dope a, boy. Yeah, okay. he, was a, he was a big dope boy and stuff. And he, he came in, he was like, uh, he like, yeah, man, I got a little money in this genre right here, man. You know what I'm saying? Man, I can tell him to let you, you trying to do this DJ stuff? I can tell him to let you do it. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> he introduced me to Warren. And Warren was like, man, you got your own equipment? And he, I was like, yeah. He was like, bring it up here. You know what I'm saying? I'll let you, uh, I'll let you spin. But I came up there a couple of times and kicked it with him first mm-hmm. just to see the vibe. And then I brought my equipment up there. Mm-hmm. And, man, that was like the most, like, <laughs> I can feel my heart beat now. You know what I'm saying? Like, really? <laughs> I can, Yeah, it was like that was the most nervous time I've been in my life. How like, did it go that first time? Man, like, great. It and went like, good. It went great. Like, I, I, I first, I, I went to the to the set to see how, like, the format was. So what Juan used to do, he used to play old school in the beginning. Then after that, he'll turn it up because later on, you know, that's when the young people come in anyway. The mm-hmm. older people want to be in and out, and he used to uh, do a, lo- a little karaoke. So I um, I brought my equipment. I had my old school set ready. I'm like, yo, let's do it. And it was these two old cats in the corner, like, sitting on the table. And I started DJing, and um, all my stuff was blending, you know, sounding good. I'm like, yeah, this sounds good. <laughs> but first, before I press play, he was like, you ready? I'm like, it took me two more songs. I'm like, yeah, hold on. Before I press play, my finger was shaking. And then Aww. I was like, press, uh, go another song. <laughs> I go, okay, I'm ready. Then I pressed it. And once I started playing, it's just like the nerves kind of started going away. And I did like a maybe 10 minute set, 10, 15 minute set. And this old dude was on the side. He said, hey, young buck, what's your, what's your name? I'm like, I'm DJ D-Nice. And he was like, how long you been DJing? I'm like, man, about four months. You know what I'm saying? Four or five months. He said, Man, get the fuck out of here, man. You ain't been DJing four or five. He like, you've been at least two, three years, like, for real. Wow. I'm like, nah, like, four or five months. He was like, 
he like, you should, you, you, you for real? I'm like, I'm dead serious. And he was like, man, hold on, let me show you something. And he got on my turntables and he started doing like scratching and stuff that I ain't never seen. I'm like, yo, my turntables can do all that. He showed me the possibilities on my turntables. I'm like, yo, this man is, who is this dude? He was killing. And after that, he was like, yo, if this, if you doing this and it's like only four months in, he like, this is what you supposed to be doing, bro, because you sound, you sound good. And that gave me my confidence. And I was like, okay, I'm ready for my next set. You know what I'm saying? Like the old school told me I'm good. Mm-hmm. And Juan gave me my, he was like, all right, this is a prime time set. And at the time I had to learn Memphis music because yeah. they were like, yo, yo, play Mangala. I'm like, what the fuck? What is, what, is, what is Mangala? Mangala? Oh, that's my song. Yeah, like. <laughs> but you had been gone for a minute. I've been gone. So, so you, you had to get back in tune with what we was listening to. Because Memphis is a whole other market. It is. It's a, it was a completely different market. without mm-hmm. and, and you didn't have social media to help you push right. records. So I was like, yo, y'all playing um, Gucci Mane? Like, she, she a very freaky girl. They're like, nah. Mm-hmm. I was like, you playing that, bitch, I might be the pills? Like, nah. <laughs> You playing part like a rock star? <laughs> nah. Can, you playing buy you a drink? Nah. Dang. Crank that soldier boy? Nah. I was like, what am I gonna play? Right. But I was just like, forget it. You know, I'm gonna play crank this. I was like, bro, I, that's a big song. People know it. So I start off with that. And it was like, you. Mm-hmm. And the whole club said, hey. He was like, oh, shh. Okay. And then I would ask him, like, yo, can you play uh, Jay Z like public service service announcement and stuff like that here and they were like nah you know they don't do east coast music here at all and at the time i went everywhere and they was not playing east coast music you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying and man I, I played that i was like well i'm in atlanta as soon as you play this jay-z allow me to reintroduce myself mm-hmm. like the whole club go crazy mm-hmm. so i'm like i'm gonna try it anyway and i played it and when i played uh when when i dropped that allow me to re everybody turned around at me like this and they was like my name is Oh, oh they was ready. Oh my God. Oh my God. It was like oh, a wow. it was a moment. They had you listen. Yeah. To these folks trying to tell you Memphis don't want to hear that. Yeah, no, you can't you do that know, in Memphis. You don't know that. what Memphis wanna hear. You wow. know what I'm saying? So I was like, yo, Marvin that's crazy. Insider. So it was certain DJs there that was like, damn man, he just dropped that. Mm-hmm. And and uh probably was like i've been wanting to play that yeah it opened up it opened up <laughs> like a lot of lanes you know what i'm saying then uh my boy uh dj little one you know little one mm-hmm. so little one was like he came up to me he was like hey bro because i had like a computer and i had my turntable set up he was like hey bro what what uh what program you using and i'm like program <laughs> he was like yeah the program bro what you using a dj i'm like i'm just i just got cds he was like bro you blend it you blending with just CDs? And I'm like, it's a program? <laughs> he was like, yeah, bro, it's a whole program that you can, like, put all your music in, bro, and you ain't got to use a CD. You can just keep it. I'm like, what the fuck is that? He was like, Serato. Mm-hmm. And I'm like. You were doing it the long way. Yeah, but see, that that taught me taught how to you. blend and yeah. how to really, like. Listen. So, like, really listen to the music so I don't have to, like, look at the computer, which it was a lesson. So after that. He linked me up, and I did, like, a Yo Gotti concert. You know what I'm saying? So he got me on my first, like, Dang. big concert. Yeah. So, so your your path escalated pretty quickly, would you say? Yeah, fast. Very fast. Very, very fast. People were very in tune with your style of DJ. It was totally different. It was right. nothing like here. You know what I'm saying? It was nothing like here. It was like, because I was in another state for four years, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I soaked up. And that's it's heavily influenced East Coast. And the people I, I was around was from the East Coast. And, like, my close friends was from the East Coast and um, Jersey. And I had a... Mm-hmm 
like one person from down south because it was crazy like in the military like i was in the i was a firefighter so the uh, the police and the firefighter live in the same dorms you know what i mean so all my home i had some people in memphis which were my homies and stuff but they crew used to always like get into it like mm-hmm. fight it like like arguing about dumb stuff you know what i'm saying like they were hating on each other like and our crew was just like yeah my my homie was older so he used to he had a mouthpiece like i ain't never met nobody like this dude in my life from brooklyn i ain't never been in a i was 19 and never got never went to an 18 and up club it was all 21 and up clubs he was like hey yo my man said yo my man my man over here you know what i mean he's he gonna be driving me he, he's driving me you know what i'm saying he's underage he's my little cousin i'm gonna slide you this 20 man go and give me this wristband right now hey yo now, put, your, put your arm out like put your arm out <laughs> and i put they, they don't even know what to do they like damn they're like yeah yeah put your arm out Yo, my man's appreciate that. Yeah, everything's everything. Yo, everything we gonna be safe, all right? I'm like, so and, and it, it was never no petty argument. So mm-hmm. they introduced me to the big L's and uh, I started listening to Big Pun. I started really getting on my East Coast rap, and I'm like, dang, like that's what I knew all my down south stuff, but that that filled that void, you know what I mean? So yeah, when I came back here, it was like I had my own style. Period, you know what I mean? So how would you describe your style? Universal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm a chameleon. You can throw me anywhere. Because mm-hmm. you, know? you, I know, you know, you DJ at Club 152, you have. Yeah, I, yeah, so I you did. You were like, it's, what, the first black DJ there? Yeah, that's the end of an era, man. Listen, I think, the first and last. I think I'm the, uh, <laughs> I think I, I got the longest record. I got to see who got the longest record for the longest re- residency. Because wow. I had, I started 152 like my first year DJing. Wow, because I remember. So that's it was like ten years. I ran straight. into you and you was like, "I'm at 152." I'm like, "You at 152? How yeah. you do that?" So yeah, I came there. Uh, I got to give my homie DJ Crumbs that uh that uh props for that. You he know hooked what I'm saying? It up. Yeah, I say Crumbs was like my mentor here. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have a mentor. I just came here. Figured it out. Trying to get it. Trying to get it. And uh, Crumbs was like uh. This white and Mexican DJ, mm-hmm. I saw him DJing at Census. You remember Census mm-hmm. when Hypo and yeah. um, Boogaloo, and then he had uh, Just Born opening up. Mm-hmm. Crumbs was the patio DJ that did the reggae. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, I was like, yo, where are you playing all this stuff? And then he was like, yeah, I can. I was asking questions about the equipment. And he was like, yeah, let me show you this. And he cut the turntables off and the music was still playing. I'm like, yo, you can you can do that? He was like, yeah, you can do this. I'm like, bro, bro, I need to get your number. I need to talk to you. You know what I'm saying? And and uh, he got my number and I hit him up. And I got a, I don't know how I got this weird gig, but I got this little weird gig. And uh, what was it called? Um, it's not frequency. It was something frequency, whatever. We're just going to call it frequency. Right across the street from... Uh, the University of Memphis where Bluff Bluff yeah. City, all that stuff is yeah. right now. It was like a mixed club and dude was like, Yo man, you wanna you wanna do this party? You know, I was like, Man, I ain't got no top forty stuff. But I was like, This dude crumbs, he just said he worked down there work for the station or something. Let me call him I'm like, yo man, I need like a hundred top forty songs, bro. I got all the rap stuff. You wanna cause while I was in the military, I was collecting music too overseas. Mm-hmm. Everybody who had CDs, I'm like, let me burn this. So I was preparing, so I had a whole bunch of songs, you know what I mean? Ass loaders. I was like, yo, bro, <laughs> let's trade. So he ended up giving me an MP3 CD with like a hundred some songs. And I did this mixed club, like like this white white and black club frequency there. And I was like, yo, this was fun as hell. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That was It's y'all. a whole nother vibe. It's a whole nother vibe. So I was like, and I can do this. You know what I'm saying? So Crumbs, he got the job at 152. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yo, bro, hey, man, I went to this. 
because he like he real versatile too. You know what I'm saying? He Mexican and white. He from the West Coast, so he bringing West and he was older, so he know all the old school jam. Mm-hmm. Grandmaster Flash stuff. It's like he was like sometimes go too deep. You have to put a chain on crumbs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so he was like, bro, I found a place downtown, bro. They don't bother you. They just tell you to rock. You can play in it. It's no genre, no format. You can just go in. He said, I play X, Y, and Z. I'm like, dang, you play all that? He was like, yeah, and they liked all of it. Mm-hmm. They asked me to come back. So I started going down there with them mm-hmm. and uh, building my relationships. And then at one point, somebody didn't show up to the second floor. And they were like, yo, that DJ, that, that be with you. Can he DJ? He was like, yeah, give him a chance. And I went up there on the second floor, rocked the second floor. They were like, damn, uh what you do on Thursdays? I'm like, I don't do nothing on Thursdays. He's like, you on Thursdays? And I started on Thursday. Then Thursday got crazy. They were like, what you do on Saturdays? On Saturdays? What you do on Sundays? Wow. That's crazy. It just seems like, you know, if you figure out you want to do something... I mean, if it's something that you want to do, you're going to figure it out from beginning to end. Oh, yeah. And you're going to make the necessary contacts and build a relationship to mm-hmm. get where you need to go. That was the industry about collecting, mm-hmm. like, relationships. I, I heard Big Sue talk about relationships mm-hmm. on your podcast. Like, relationships are everything and how to create those relationships. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you and 10 other people, like, it can be you and two other people go in the room and it's a room full of people that can change your life. Mm-hmm. Like, both of y'all ain't going to get the same effect. You know, you're going to come in and approach. Your approach might be totally different. And then this person might be like, well, I'm really kind of standoffish. I don't know how to communicate with people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. important, how to move and shake. Now, how did you move and shake your way on up in here to iHeartMedia, honey? Man, really? Because that don't happen too often like that. I'm going to tell you, I've been here almost 20 years. And we don't hire a lot of new people. Yeah, it was me and Rocksteady. <laughs> it was it was strategic. I don't, Devin don't know this. Either. Nobody really knows except like a couple of friends of mine. It was like a real strategic move. So, okay. like how I even really broke into like I'm a real cheap person. If, if anybody know me, like I'm super cheap. You know what I'm saying? Really, I'm super. Mr. Airbnb, you're yeah, cheap. Yeah, I'm super cheap, right? right? You know what I'm saying? Like so. When I first got back, I was like, man, I got to go ahead and spend this money. I've been cheap for four years, mm-hmm. like, to spend this money. So I like, Curtis Givens, the person I got to, uh, like, get into. I got to get with Devin. I, I I knew everybody who I need to get in contact to. So mm-hmm. it was like New Year's Eve, um, level two. Mm-hmm. And I called Curtis. <laughs> and they were like, you can, book, you can book a VIP. I was like, yo, what's up, man? When can I? Uh... I saw him at the club. And I was like. Yeah, my name DJ D Nice. You know, Curtis like, yeah, whatever. Then. You know how Curtis is. Yeah, whatever. What's up, man? What's up? What's up? What you want? What you want? <laughs> and I'm like, yo, man, uh, yo, Wink, I want to get a, a VIP for, for New Year's. It was like October, November, like early November. Mm-hmm. He was like, uh, I like, when can I get it? And he was like, he started laughing at me. He was like, <laughs> when you can, when you pay for it, whenever you pay for it, I get it to you. I'm like, how much is it? I don't know. I think it was like 1500 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he was like, 1500 I'm like, all right, cool, I'll be up here tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I went and got, like, all 10s and 20s, you know what I'm saying? So I mm-hmm. could so I could count it to four but make the conversation longer, you know what I'm saying? I was, like, I was like, yeah, man, what's up, bro? You know, my name D-Nice, man. Uh, 20, yeah, fuck, that's, that's 100, count that, count, that, count that for me. Yeah, so you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to do, so I, mm-hmm. so that's how I started getting into it with Curtis. And then I was seeing Devin, I was seeing Devin them, and I would, uh, I would speak. And Devin, you know, Devin, he always a cool person. But, you know, Devin see everybody all the time, too. So, like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, give, me, give my number. Email me, man. You know, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever, email me. Give me a call. Come, give me a call. You know what I'm saying? So, 
So, uh, you know, he didn't really he didn't really take me as serious either because, you know, I'm a new DJ. You know how that shit go. What and did you do to stand out, D-Nice? I'm telling this this is what happened. So I saw him again. I saw him again. And every time I saw him or Sue, mm-hmm. I would like buy a bottle of champagne or something. I'd be like, yo, what, you, what y'all drinking? And I'd pour out the champagne. And I um, every time, and it was one time, I think it was Mike T birthday party or something. And I saw him again. And I... And at that time, I was DJing that census, so I knew a lot of people. So I was, I poured out the champagne to them, mm-hmm. like, yeah, what y'all drinking? Here, here go a bottle, and I put it down. Then I ordered my own, mm-hmm. and uh, I hugged everybody who walked past me, like shook hand with everybody that walked past me, everything. And Devin was like, uh, what, this is what 007 told me, because I don't, I don't know, De- 007 was like, Devin was like, yo, who is the D-Nice dude? He seemed like, you know, people... <laughs> People like like him, you know what I'm saying? He was like Devin and Dub was always like one of my biggest vouchers. Mm-hmm. He was like, "Yo, I've been telling you, man, that man good people. He a good DJ. He this, 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 and this." Mm-hmm. So it was me and Rocksteady. So I guess I don't know how that happened on that end, mm-hmm. but then they contacted me and Rocksteady and gave us a a chance to do a mix on the wow. on the radio. So that was like within three or four years I was on the radio here. And how long ago was that when you first started on K? I start. I came back here in 07. Mm-hmm. So it's probably like 2012 or something. You know what I mean? So I don't. I don't know if that worked, but I know that shit worked. I know nice. uh, that's what I did. <laughs> I was trying to get Devin and Sue attention all the time. Like Sue, your, your drink empty here, Sue. Wow. Somebody. I bet a lot of people don't know that story. And you know, it's a lot of DJs out here on the grind. A lot of them trying to get up in this station. A lot of them are trying to stand out. What advice do you have for some of these young up and coming DJs? Because I know you do a lot of networking with the younger djs mm-hmm. and a lot of grooming mm-hmm. and you want to see them excel so what kind of advice do you have for the up-and-coming djs both mm-hmm. male and female man uh don't be a part of the way create the wave you know what i'm saying like you gotta you gotta create your own brand before anybody listen to you you know i spoke a lot of man we could do this we can do this as a city and everybody used to be like oh no nah, bro dang on nobody don't want to get together but and it's a lot of because people tried and people failed but you know you got to keep trying you know what i mean so the biggest thing is to like create your identity and people gonna come for you just like an artist you know what i'm saying like if you got a buzz in the street the dj's gonna be like yo what song is this everybody's talking about this mm-hmm. so yeah create your wave and i guarantee the universe gonna bring everything you need Yes. Now, how did the whole Life is Dope come about? Where did that come from? Man, um, actually, New York. Like, New York City inspired Life is Dope. Like, my partner, D. Parks, David Parks, you know what I'm saying? D. Parks. We met in 152, actually. He was was DJing. I was DJing, and he was playing the bass. And I was like, damn, this dude look look familiar. But I couldn't, I didn't really know him, but he just looked familiar to me. And then we started talking, and, uh... I was like, man, you look familiar, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, he like, yeah, man. I was on the, the making a band, the Diddy show. Mm. Yeah, so he was on the Diddy show. I was like, yo, I remember you from that. And he he was on making a band. So from that point, the people who didn't make the band, they formed their own group and uh, they uh, started being Sean Kingston band. Okay. So Sean Kingston, he started, so he played for Sean Kingston, which led into Justin Bieber. And I was like, he started playing for Bieber, and I was like, yo. Uh, he was like, you going to New York? I saw the thing. I'm like, bro, I ain't never been in New York. I want to go to New York. And he was like, bro, we, we going to be in New York. I'll get you some tickets. You can roll with us. I'm like, wow. I like, yo, let me get a ticket. So I got a ticket. And I, previously, previously, 
uh, I went to Vegas because it was like my third year, I think of 152, and we got into the top 100 clubs in the nation. Like after my second year, third year, like we turned that jump all the way up. You know what I'm saying? So we was in Vegas, and I met this like billionaire with with uh the millionaires all with. I went with all the owners, everybody millionaires, even the wives millionaires. You know what I'm saying? What is it like to hang out with a quote unquote millionaire slash billionaire? Man, what, what kind of how they moving? That shit changed my life. You hear me? Mm. Like it like I ain't never been a part of a feast and I, I feasted. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, put the menus up. We uh we ordering everything on the menu. By the threes. Like, yo, this appetizer, two, three of these. D nice, what wine you want? Yeah, let's get four bo- four bottles of this, four mm. bottles of that. Everybody ate. I I tell with like six thousand dollars a night, you know what I'm saying? And in the uh when we ate when we went to the clubs, it was like 15000 you know what I'm saying? They were playing $100 slot machines, you know what I mean? Like, it was a whole different. I'm on a stratosphere, off, you know what I'm saying? Outside. I'm sitting where LeBron was sitting. We moving Jersey, the whole Jersey Shore crew, they had to move. We came in that joint, you know what I mean? 3-6 were performing. They pulled Wilbur on the stage like, yo. What? Yeah, they came in part in our section. They was like, yo, y'all don't know. This man run Memphis. Because, you know, if you know, you know. I, you know, If fuck, you know, you know. If you know, you know. You know what I'm saying? So they came in part in our section. So I was like, yo, this is some whole other, like, next level Vegas stuff. Yeah. But I talked to this billionaire about a lot of stuff. And then we just DJing and a lot. He was like, bro, like, he said, man. Like I love like yo yo mind frame and I like the way you like sh- like the way you think. He like I want to introduce you to my son coming to New York. Mm-hmm. And he like I'm a very powerful man in New York. I can make some stuff happen if you come here. And I went to New York, New York, and uh, met his son and Park. So his son like <coughs> I'm talking like on the New York uh, New York Yankee Stadium in the front. Nobody ain't in front of you type. You know right. what I'm saying? Going to the elevator to the VIP eating whatever wine steak whatever you want it's like he's like yeah we pay 60,000 60,000 a month or 70,000 a month or something just to entertain guests here I'm like it's a this is a different kind of money you know what I mean so what was the son like was he similar to his father nah he's a musician he was a bass player that's why he wanted to link me up you know, son was a bass player, and Dave is a bass player. Okay. So I'm so like, yo, okay. so let's link. And he, so he took us to Alice Groceries, a place called Alice Grocery in New York. And uh, man, it was this dude up there. I got some footage I got to show you. It was just like, <laughs> yo, dude was a, he had these long dreads, and he was like a hype man, just going crazy. He was like, yo, who want to sing? Who want to rap? And they were just pulling people up, and it was like a 10-piece band up there, a 12-piece band, every instrument you can think of. And people would come up there and do live poetry. They'll come up there and start rapping, singing. And it was just a vibe. And I was like, yo, I've never experienced this. And the smallest thing, you know, being from Memphis, when you don't see a lot and you're a creative, the smallest thing inspire you. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, like, Dave, (laughs) what is this, bro? Like, I'm like, yo, we have to create something not like this, but – that showed the culture of Memphis, you know what I mean? So we uh, we left there and uh, came back to Memphis, fast forward to Memphis, and we were sitting, like, what what can we get involved in? So me and uh, Chef Kina, I knew her from MySpace. Mm-hmm. I was like, yo, I'll help you with your marketing as you as a chef if you help me with cooking. So she would come over, 
and uh you know help me cook you know what i'm saying i introduced her to the Sue's and all of that she got her stuff jamon which was my partner mm-hmm. i like bro i my need pain. you to yeah let's let's man come in you do some painting i don't know what this is but yo you do the painting a g nerd this is my homie he joke like i need like come joke man ladia y'all come up here and do some jugging i had a lot of rappers of course you know what i'm saying and my homie he know all the musicians so i'm like yo bring the band so it was two different worlds that collided. It was like the nightclub, and then the at, at that time the musicians didn't really party with. They didn't go to level two. They didn't go to none of that stuff. They went to Onyx or wherever that was going. But we collided these two worlds, and people were like, "Man, I ain't never seen this person. I ain't never seen this person." Mm-hmm. And we did a free show. We did a free show. We was like, um, "We don't know what it's gonna do." So we we get the liquor. We sold the liquor and made a free show. How mm-hmm. was that first life is dope? 400 300 people mm-hmm. it was crazy we knew it was crazy when a name he was like we got to come up with a name because we was like and how did y'all come up with life is dope man um we had we we were throwing a lot of parties like live at the lux uh we had that party we had the project xmas we was going crazy we did a lot of name but i was like yeah we got to think of something that can you know be one one name each time like a black affair or a white affair or anything you know you know what that is mm-hmm. so my um my brand is Nice Life, and his brand is Rated D for Dope. And we're playing with the names. I'm like, life, man, life life is dope. That's nice, life is dope. You know what I'm saying? Perfect. And Dave was like, yo, <laughs> stop, 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 stop. Life is dope. Life is dope. And then we put it on paper. We put it on paper. He made the logo, you know what I mean? Selling the merch. The merch, the yeah, merch. Yeah, we started I got the hoodie the with the uh, all the hoods in Memphis. Yeah. With the Memphis and the... Um, we finna relaunch that, too. Because that's the best one. Yeah, we finna make that's t-shirts out of that, so no we gonna make sure you lace you, you know hoodie. what I'm saying? Everybody asked me, where did I get this hoodie from? I said, go to lifeisdope.com. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was the creation of Life is Dope, man. We did 300 people, and the people were like, yo, if y'all do this again, we'll pay for it. It was like, because uh, the building, we did it in an art gallery. You're like, usually when people were doing, we our branding was like totally different. Because when we would come in, uh, people would have like the normal building, maybe a light over here, two lights. The sound might not be up to par. A girl on the flyer that ain't going to be on the flyer, that ain't right. going to be at the party. So if you look at back to our first one, we made like crowd, we doing crowd shots. We, we never put women on there. And people yeah. was like. That was different. It's not different now. At the time, it was like, yo, what? y'all ain't got no kind of. What the girls? And then we did multiple flyers. You know, at that time, people had one flyer and used to burn that joint up. We had like, because we did our own graphics. I, I did, well, both of us did the videos and we still do. We do the videos and the graphics. Everything you see on Life is Dope, we do it ourselves. You know what I mean? So so that was like, yo, I like that. And shh. Man, that's, we took off and it became like popular fast. Wow! Now, what what do you think is next for Life Is Dope 2019? I know we're far away from like Thanksgiving break, but that's when you always have them, mm-hmm. like uh, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Right. What's gonna be different about this year? Man, a lot really. Well, I know we don't you have already a hey, planning. Like we ain't even got a building right now. I'm gonna tell you that you don't. We don't have a building. New Daisy shut down. You know what I'm saying? We wow. usually do it New Daisy. You know oh, what I'm saying? I know so, you're gonna figure this shit out. yeah, we are. We always wanted a warehouse. I wanted like a, mm. a dope warehouse and create the stage, create the lights, create the whole. Ba- I want to just create like the a, warehouse style. Yeah, I want to create the whole atmosphere. You know what I'm saying okay. for it. So that's what we we going towards. But we really looking for expansion. Like last year, we did um, 
Life is Dope LA. We did like 300 people out there. It was an excellent show. So we want to go to. Oh, you moved a whole show to LA yeah. trying to get them some. Is it is it um, a West Coast feel or are you bringing Memphis to LA? Uh, right now we uh we had the LA artists. Okay. You know what I'm saying? But the the goal is to merge Memphis to LA and LA to Memphis, mm-hmm. like all the way across the state. I didn't want to go like to Nashville. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm. Like, that's the next one. We want to go Nashville. We want to go Texas, Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? Like that. But we was like, yo, let's just go all the way across the country with this show. There's so many people from Memphis in L.A., though. Man, I got a crew of cool 50 that's from Memphis. Right. It's like home, right? No, it is. For sure, it is. Wow. Okay, speaking of L.A., What's up with L.A.? Like, you've you been saying L.A. all throughout the pod. Is you moving to L.A.? What's going on? Yeah, man, like, you know, I'm back and forth. I got a lot of buildings out there, so I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a move, and I'm going to have my spot out there, but, you know, I'm going to go back and forth. You got to make sure Memphis. everything on the up and up on your business in Memphis. Yeah, I got to make sure everything. I don't want to get lost because Memphis is on fire right now. You know oh, what I'm saying? Yeah. Memphis Memphis is, like, got its own identity finally you know what i'm saying and i'm not trying to i ain't trying to leave it i'm just trying to expand it you know what i mean like you know somebody in atlanta you know somebody in texas but can you come to la you know what i'm saying and and i want to be that person to put you in there okay so that's what you're doing in la you're you're trying to still expand the memphis brand in la Mm -hmm. and get the money you know what i'm saying the The dj the dj get paid starting off 300 an hour you know lowballing like okay. I met DJs that made fifteen hundred, three thousand dollars. Okay. And it's on a Tuesday. It's like, yo. And on they ain't Tuesday. even that good. And it ain't even that good. So I'm like, yo, I gotta go run it up. Everybody I know love LA. Okay, so this is what you do. You go out there, you do your stuff, you do your thing, and then you know, find me a good spot to come and do my live podcast. Man, shit, I got you. I the verbally effective in LA. No, I promise you, I'm about to create a whole scene. Okay. I'm about to create a whole scene in LA. Okay. So I know a lot of people have not heard all of these little tiny stories and, you know, motivational pieces about DJ D-Nice as they've heard today. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad people are able to, you know, hear more about you. Yeah. Now, what I want to do is kind of dive into some current events. Okay. Because, you know, on the Verbally Effective Podcast, we like to dibble and dabble and a little juicy juice. Yeah. But we all can relate to it. A little razzle-dazzle. Now, I know you heard about your girl, Cardi B. Mm. And if you haven't, let me just give you a brief synopsis. You know, we love Cardi B, don't we? Yeah, we and love so Cardi B. When I first started following Cardi B, I loved her back then before she became who she is today. She was talking shit on social media, you know. And as of today, um, a blogger put it to light that saying that Cardi B was robbing and drugging niggas, stealing their money, right? Mm-hmm. So they dug up the tape, the social media, where she went live about it. Now it's exposed. So what do you think? They're comparing Cardi B to, like, Bill Cosby. Would no you way. make that same comparison? No way. No way? No way. Cardi B said she had to do what she had to do back then. She did. I mean, listen, that's like it's your fault as a man. I'm sorry. Like, you're a grown man. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you must ain't gamed up. You took a stripper back to a hotel that you finna pay for some pussy. Right. That's like and one plus one equal you're not, two. You're not, you're not aware of your surrounding, making sure like you ain't coming in with no money. Uh, you like making sure nobody ain't trying to rob you. Like that's the first thing you should be doing. Mm-hmm. I ain't saying this they fall cause anybody can get caught slipping, mm-hmm. but would you expect anything less? You know what I'm saying? Like right. you wouldn't, you wouldn't really think 
She just said she from the Bronx. She a stripper. She claim she she rap all these niggas she know gang gang all of that gang, shit. Gang. Do you not think that she did some wild shit like that? Because that's like normal stripper behavior. Like is you know it? What I'm saying? not normal. Shout out my stripper. I ain't saying this to normal people, but I'm saying the game is it's it's a dirty game too. But it's too, like though. no surprise. Yeah, like like I know a lot of strippers, so it's blood like. Like people be pulling moves inside the strip club, drugging me, and, and like here, sign this, <laughs> sign this right here. How much you spent? Have like, you ever been drugged or robbed before by a female? Uh, that you no. can remember? That you? Not, are you sure? You sure? Definitely not robbed. <laughs> Maybe I <don't> drugged. <laughs> I don't know about drugged. I gotta think kind of hard. I gotta. I don't think oh so. My God. I don't think so, but see, but see, listen, listen. I'm, I'm prepared. Listening. You come to my house, listen. I'm, I'm taking all my loose money. Yeah, you ain't controlling your house. It's so, it's so. Like, who? See, I don't go to people's house like that. I don't like. I gotta really kind of know you, or kind of know a little bit yeah. about you, know your background, where you work at, type shit. Like yeah. to ever just pop up over your house, cause I know some grimy niggas. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I know some grimy women too. So it's like just to come somewhere I don't know and I'm kind of intoxicated and I'm just I got my yeah. DJ equipment downstairs. I got yeah. this and I'm got a lot of No, 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 no. I got a whole house. You hear me? A whole that's a house. house. Oh, I got a, 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 Airbnb. A, or, or a hotel. One of the two. <laughs> OK, so you saying we're going to get a car to be a pass. I mean, I, you got to. They want to take her to jail. I mean, the man, the man saying take her to jail, but you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like she got one dude right now, five. Like charges. he didn't, he didn't, because she rich. Hell, yeah. like anybody gonna sue you when you rich? But that was a fucked up situation. Like mm-hmm. I'm not condoning that at all. But mm-hmm. when your back against the wall, if you ain't never had your back against the wall, you don't know what the fuck you might do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And if he, it ain't like I took him and then I had some niggas come in and rape him like on. Right. Like whoa, whoa! You done physically harmed this nigga. You didn't. <laughs> Like, if you just, like, all right, all right, you sleep now, man. I finna take this. Mm-hmm. Like, cool. Like, I ain't saying, like, she an angel, but I'm like, listen, you can't co- compare her to Cosby. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, because they saying the dudes, like you said, willingly went in there with a stripper. But, I mean, when you left with a, what, we gonna arrest you off soliciting a prostitute? Right, like, it's kind of like calling the police on the dope boy. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. yeah, man, he ain't... Yeah, he I bought the dope. dope. I bought the dope, man. He ain't give me enough dope, man. Come like, on now. You already doing some illegal shit. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So. Okay. So it's kind of like hindsight twenty. Like, yeah. Uh, okay, what do you think about Mr. Jussie Smollett? Now, you know, he's the actor on, <laughs> on Empire, right? And they were saying he had a fake story, but he was the whole time claiming his innocence. And, hey, the charges were miraculously dropped out the blue. Then he came with his press conference like, I told y'all I was innocent. I'm innocent. And then, like, maybe the next day, Chicago PD came out like, oh, wait a minute. We do not agree with what he said. It was, like, so much gray mm-hmm. area going on. What do you think about it? Do you think Jussie is guilty, first of all? Um, I think he had a part of it. I don't I don't know because, listen, I quit watching Empire after the bald head dude was on the piano singing. Oh, like, my God. And Chris Rock was in, like, the hard dude and Ludacris yeah. was the police. I was confused. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> But like, so I you stopped watching, watching Empire a long time. Yeah, ago. Yeah, a long time ago. You know what I'm saying? But this yeah. is like a bizarre situation. Yeah, the the, the story sound bizarre. It sound like that was in cahoots with each other, and they didn't think it was gonna get that far. You know what yeah. I mean? And I think the money came in at the back end, and the bright person got paid, and mm-hmm. everything was dropped. So the that's why the police like, yo, bro, listen now. You know we paid for this because we know in the law everything got a dollar amount. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. So I like. 
I have, I don't know what Jesse did, but Jesse was, Jesse for sure was lying for a second. Jesse was lying about something up in there. Yeah. Wow. For sure. Well, that's enough current events. EJD Nice, I really appreciate you for coming on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Yeah, have You have really, like, shed some light on some things today. Yeah, for sure. What do you have next? I know you're going to L.A. Mm -hmm. to dibble and dabble and Mm -hmm. to bring a Memphis culture there. But, like, what do you have next, and what do you see as the outlook for Memphis music culture? Um, Up next, I have two or three events that I have planned in my head that I can't talk about right now that I'm trying to pop off this summer, for sure. In Memphis? Yeah, in Memphis. In Memphis. Some fun events. Some fun events, you know what I mean? Um, um, Up next, we we have the Young, Gifted, and Dope, me, Jamon, and... Uh, D Parks. That's that's another event we also do, you know. But we want to shine light on the artists instead, of the painters instead of like the rappers. We do. Yeah. It's kind of like the rap version. I like that. Of life is dope. Life is dope. Yes. I love art. Yeah. We actually had a pod with uh, Jamon. Mm-hmm. We did our first on location podcast at the studio when he had his young, gifted, and dope art on display, and it was awesome. Like, I yeah, that was my funnest. That was like the funnest Young Gifted and Dog. Cause yeah. we the first time we did it, we did it at uh Arts Art Gallery Village on Main Street, and it was cool. But then we did it at the the next location. It was like way it's a way better vibe. So yeah. that was a fun situation. Yeah. So you're gonna do that annually too, right? Yeah, so right now we're trying to go to Atlanta to the Trap House Museum and mm. do Young Gifted and Dope in Atlanta. Oh, that'll be nice. Yeah, so that's the next move. That's the next move for that. Yeah. Because Jamon already doing business with them. Well, oh, yeah. The that, that's what I told him. And me and Country King, like, that was a part of PSC. Me and him real tight. So, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's so that's cool. that's the move. So. Okay, well, be nice. You know what? You continue to being an innovator, and I like what you're doing. We're bringing all of the DJs in Memphis together as well. Mm-hmm. Can you speak a little bit more about that? Yeah, um, we created uh, a event. When I say we, um, I, I talked to all the DJs. I hit up 98 DJs. Like, yes, we do have 98 DJs in the surrounding area. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So. I didn't want. I didn't have a name. I just had a vision for it, and I was like, "Yo, I want everybody to kind of be a part of this." Like, and we call it the DJ Exchange, and uh, mm-hmm. so we exchange music. You know what I'm saying? The younger generation they need to keep this '90s music and the early to the everything alive. They have to have this music. Mm-hmm. So I was that's what I was telling my me and my peers. I'm like, "Yo, we have to give these people this music." You know what I mean? To. So we we come exchange uh, music. We exchange knowledge, and uh, Couple more things we're gonna we're gonna start doing like some community events, you know what I'm saying? Like a little podcast for the DJs who wanna kinda get their ideas off where we can kinda create a website for this and everything. So we wanna expand off of that for sure. Mm-hmm. So every year we have a uh just in case any of my DJs listening, we have a audition for Life is Dope. So not only is it for artists, we do audition for the DJs too. So make sure y'all follow the page at Life is Dope underscore and follow me at Nice Life underscore for more information. Thank you, Nice Life. Yeah, you have no problem. Anytime. I appreciate you, DJ D Nice, coming to the Verbally Effective Podcast. Big innovator, big visionary. One of my favorite DJs. Thank you. That'll be your favorite.